So hello, everyone. This is Otessa, and you are listening to Conversations with Hysterical Women. That's Women with an X, the Hysterical Women podcast, where you are all welcome here, friends, allies, everywhere across the rainbow, across the binary. I'm just really glad to have you be here. This is meant to be a safe space to explore all of the weird things that life throws at us and all of the different ways in which we can be twisted and torn asunder, but also all the different ways that we can come back together. So thank you for listening, and I'm glad that you're here and going to be cheesy, but comment, like, subscribe. Hi, I'm Rebecca Vitale, and I'm talking all things plant on the Hysterical Women podcast. So then I have a question, and I'm going to ask the the silly question that I asked previously um, the last time I saw you. But okay, so I had the pleasure of seeing these these babies when they were growing, and it was actually really clever the way that Rebecca had them. She had them in a big tub and then she put like it was old it was like a part of your old denim jeans or something on top yeah it was my jean shorts from last summer yeah Yeah. oh wow like just to keep it like a little bit of heft and also a a nice amount of dampness um yeah these things the the turmeric that i just showed you the little turn like again from the grocery store these are just in water but like you can kind of what is this like a rhizome mm-hmm. yeah that's um, a rhizome. like there are something i just have i'm developing like this intuitive sense of like what will shoot roots better completely submerged in water versus in uh in damp damp cloth like that um so those i was like i feel like they're not gonna do it in water they need a more like a drier yeah environment yeah so then this brings this is a yeah this is a good point and sometimes you'll do research online too and you'll find that like three people have three different ways and they all swear that they're the right one but i'm going to start with the most basic question which is um because i looked at these and i was like these are so cool these don't look like a lime that was a really dumb question because they're not that wasn't that's not a question though (laughs) um so i was like okay so what are they uh, and you said that the name is is very uh, colonial, but can you ex- describe what the fruit is and like what a little bit about the history? I mean, they're also called sea grapes. They're, okay. I don't know. Where I've heard of sea grape. They're native too, but they grow like they're very popular in Jamaica and in the Caribbean, um, and I think like Mexico. Um, they. I mean, honestly, I'm not a biologist and I don't know that much about them besides what I searched online and saw. I just didn't, you know, know a little more about them, but they grow basically like there's a branch and it's like a big cluster of them. That's why they're called grapes. Yeah. They're not actually a grape and they're not actually a lime. It's like a big seed that kind of, Sorry, there's actually ahead. not that much flesh around them. They have yeah. a skin, kind of like you peel off a lychee skin but it's smooth skin. Yeah. It's a smooth skin. You peel it off. There's a very tender whitish sort of like, um, translucent, uh, flesh around a very large seed. I mean, honestly, to me, the ratio of flesh to seed is way too small, (laughs) um, (laughs) to bother with for like consumption. (laughs) Um, but I do appreciate the seed. <laughs> so then when you look at the seed, because this is another thing um, to kind of think about, especially if you're getting a lot of conflicting information online, is trying to figure out, can you grow this hydroponically? Like, is this a water situation or is this like a, an incubate in some kind of 
soil situation. And so for this one, there's some like visual cues based on the seed that you were like, this is not gonna propagate in water. Um, honestly, you know, that problem that I think you were having maybe, and I have the mango seeds just kind of, oh, you know, that mango seed that I had here that I was like, no, it's, I know the little stalk is shooting up, but it's just sort of stalled and it's turning browner and browner. Failure to seed. thrive. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, I know some people who have that problem. <laughs> um, but. Uh, I felt like the the canepa seeds would maybe do the same thing. They would like take on too much water and sort of like turn brown and not because they start off very moist, right? Mm -hmm. Like it's uh, and they're from the Caribbean, so I just had this idea like they're used to sort of like hot hot air and like wind and sun. Honestly, I didn't know if it was going to work. I didn't yeah. know if it was going to work. The guy that I watched said there were like three different ways that he was suggesting to do it. Also, you said that people say different things. He was like, okay, I looked around and people were saying all these different ways. So I tried three different things. One of them was like scoring, like scratching the seed a little. I didn't bother scratching the seed. And oh, I have a story about scratching the seed, though. I think I told you. I forget what that tree is called. That that bean pod that I had, they were like glassy marbles. Oh, was it the catalpa? Yes, catalpa. I, yes, yeah. that species, This sorry, this is a tangent, but it's about what you have to do to a seed potentially to get it to start germinating. Is that the species is so old that it's used to, that it evolved to um, be digested by like very large animals, I think dinosaurs. And it was, they were, the seeds were just so glassy. They were like marbles. Like I bounced them on a table and it wow. sounded like marble. It sounded like a marble. So you have to boil them. You have to, yeah, you have to scratch it a little and then boil it. And the, this like clear casing cover sort of like snaps off of them. Huh. So you're basically imitating the stomach acid of a dinosaur. Yeah. You have to be like very sort of like find a very catastrophic way to uh penetrate the the seed cover and that's actually <laughs> in the place of uh dinosaur digestive fluids sometimes you'll go online and yeah you will find a lot of conflicting information and each person will sometimes have their own way but i think that something that can guide you frequently is knowing how like how the plant functions in the wild so if it's like if you're looking at it and you're thinking okay this seed definitely has a significant like infrastructure on the outside that makes me think that it relies on an animal to eat the entirety of it and then this is going to need a little bit more to get it going because it has so much uh, protective material around the outside but then other plants that don't function like that are going to be you know super different yeah and so the totally. spanish limes definitely seem like a plant Especially with the, the seed to fruit ratio being so little, it's basically like tricking animals into eating and then the seeds get pooped out after being exposed to the Exactly. It's like that little fruit for how big the seed is, is, is a trick. I would, I would definitely call that a trick. I mean, I guess any fruit is a trick. Yeah, so that I didn't know if it was going to work, but I was very pleased both to see that it worked and to see that even though I forgot about them, I could salvage them. <laughs> yeah.
So those ones, if you're curious, um, they have lots of different names. Those did not go straight in water, instead went into the soil with some moisture. And a lot of the reasons for that we just talked about in terms of like- No, first they went into the the rag. That's right. Yeah. So step one is So basically you just like moisten a rag or a paper towel, squeeze it out. So it should be like completely wet, but not dripping. Mm -hmm. And then wrap the seeds in it. It doesn't have to be tight. Just make them, you know, like put them to, but like put the covers on them (laughs) all around them. And they'll take a little snooze in a container that has a lid on it. Like make sure the air can move so that they don't rot. And then also so that it doesn't dry out too fast. And how long until they started showing you signs of life? I would say more than a few days and less than a week and a half. Oh, wow. I think probably like a week and a half. Okay, that's fast. Yeah, I mean, it's summer. So it's like very, I have them in a very sunny spot. Nice. Do either of you have questions about Spanish limes, a fruit that I was not even hit to until Rebecca told me about them? only question I have right now is it's a silly question but when you're planting I can deal with different types of bugs but I have a I have an issue with slugs have y'all ever run across slugs slugs inside not inside yeah outside for sure but not inside fortunately okay but we can we can definitely talk about how to do pest control, especially because when you are growing things from seed, they have come from other areas in the world. You might find that you might have some, or just when you're growing different things, like you know, different bugs can like them. I didn't have a problem with the small bugs until I grew that spiky plant. That makes you know, sense. like they were never in my apartment, and then all of a sudden, I was like, "Oh, wait, oh, Tessa, I forgot what they're called." Oh, the fungus gnats. Fungus gnats. Yeah. I have been fighting, and finally, knock on wood, I'm starting to win like a two month battle with fungus gnats from my papaya plants. Yeah. Oh, the papaya. Yeah, I go. Oh, I wanted to say also. So the place where I got the the Spanish limes, I also got big chunks of jackfruit. Um, and those are the ones that are too big. Those are the ones that are in the stairwell. Um, the really tall broadleaf ones. Oh, jackfruit. Oh, that's awesome. She yeah. has a magnificent jackfruit tree. That's awesome. I have three. Yeah. Aww. Um, Neat. yeah, but that one, that spiky plant one, it had bright red seeds. Honestly, I don't know what the tree was. I just know that it was incredibly spiky. That was, that was too many trials and tribulations. I stripped the plants of like all their leaves to get rid, to try to get rid of the fungus gnats and like got neem oil and diluted it with water and put it in a recycled spray bottle and, um, you know, sprayed the soil and I went through cycles of that and that, you know, the trees regrew, regrew their leaves every time, but the gnats just kept coming back. So I was just like, you know what? And then they would go to my, my Meyer lemon tree, which Oof. I did not seed. Um, and I actually, that's the only plant that I've paid for. And I was like, okay, I just need to sacrifice these trees and get rid of them because this is too, too much of a problem and it's threatening my other plants. So, Okay. Yeah, so you won't get slugs, but you can get other things. And, oh, it can be a real pain in the butt to, to deal they're with. So t- they're so tiny. Again, the the the, the hassle to uh, size ratio is, is infinite. 
Oh, and also because of like, uh, so I can, I can talk a little bit about fungus gnats, because if you are growing things from seed, you will very likely encounter fungus gnats. Mm-hmm. Um, now, sometimes it can also come from uh, your soil if your soil isn't very good. I was com- uh, composting, um, which is a good way to do it. But I've also bought soil in the past. I, I started to feel really weird about continuing to buy soil because it's dirt. And I was like, surely I can make dirt. I don't need to buy all this expensive dirt. Um, but I do think that the fungus gnats came in on um, the detritus or like the rotten fruit from my papaya in particular. I think that's where it all started from. And then they just glom onto anything that's growing in your entire house. And then you've got another pandemic that you're dealing with, um, like a low key fungus yeah it's uh incredibly problematic i was like okay i want to sacrifice these angry thorny plants now instead of all of my plants later yeah that makes sense what you use those dryer sheets oh yeah so the way that i have found to deal with them because i the other problem is that their life cycle is it's like multi-step in stars it's like uh you know like so many bugs and insects um so they'll start out and you won't even notice them they're so tiny and they're probably you know catching a ride on something then they'll grow from the egg you still don't see them they're really little it's not until they get into their final metamorphosis with the wings that you'll be aware of them by that point it's too late by the time that you see one winged thing it's already (laughs) laid so many eggs and you're at that point you're eight weeks away from the next life cycle that's already started oh no so yeah so when you see one know that you've already got like a six to eight week period in front of you like if you start right away so neem oil is super helpful and not horrible for the environment Mm -hmm. so definitely that's the best way to go it is um it will make the fungus gnats less interested they don't like the smell and the taste you have to dilute it yeah, that's also true. Just look on, look online. Okay. Um, other environmental friendly ways to deal with it, the um, the fungus gnats will actually lay their eggs on the top of the soil. So if you get rid of the top couple of inches of topsoil, you'll get rid of most of the eggs. So that's another like life hack. Um, oh, okay. Something that I have found is tremendously helpful. This is not, I don't, I'd never use dryer sheets um and i think that they're useless really but i actually bought dryer sheets because i read from i'm trying to remember it was a a particular greenhouse and they were saying how they use like the cheap dryer sheets and they put them on top of all of their plants because basically every greenhouse and every whatever they always have like a fungus gnat problem that they're always like trying to push back so you could also if you buy plants you could have them carried into your house that way so if you just cut i cut like a little line in to the dryer sheets put the plant stem through that line and then i wrap it all the way around uh the fun the gnats do not like laying their eggs on the dryer sheets and the ones that are coming up from the soil will actually get trapped in the dryer sheets in their very first little metamorphosis so you can just keep changing the dryer sheets and taking them out um and i found that to be really helpful other things that are helpful uh, is things called like mosquito dunks or mosquito nibs. And I put them in water overnight. 
Um, and if you also don't want mosquitoes, that'll help. And then I'll water the plants with that water. <laughs> right. Who, who uh, doesn't not want mosquitoes? <laughs> yeah, and it does help, honestly, because sometimes, like, the mosquitoes would just come in through the mail slot. Uh, um, so I would always have, like, a mosquito oh. problem in the summer. And this year, it's been a lot better because I've been fighting the fungus gnats. So... Those are not the most environmentally friendly. They're not like horrible for the environment, but if you can do it like the neem oil way and just removing the soil, that's definitely the best way. Okay, awesome. Yeah, I also looked into like um, when you can put sand and like stones on top <gasps> when I was trying to get rid of the them before I got rid of the spiky, plant, <laughs> spiky plants. And... Again, yeah, that's when I felt weird going to the store and buying sand and rocks. I was like, why am I paying for sand and rocks? It's really weird. <laughs> uh, that, yeah, the putting the sand on top is huge. Like, once you've gotten it to a situation where it's more under control or you feel like it's it's not dire anymore, putting sand on top is really recommended. This, actually, okay. you can see right here. I have, actually, I have a whole bunch of, can you see these plants? So yeah, putting sand on top or putting stones on top is another good. Um, yeah, thing. but then I was thinking for these gnats, I was like, if I just put stones on, there's going to be still be air and space for them to go around the stones. So I need sand. Sand. First. Yeah, they say sand is the best thing that you can put on top. They will not mess with the sand. Also, I'm going to go back to apple cider vinegar being one of the best things in the world. Because you can also set traps. Oh, this is the other thing that I did is you can set traps. And you mix apple cider vinegar, um, a little bit of sugar, and like six drops of soap. So you okay. really don't need that much soap in warm water and just leave out these traps. And the fungus gnats are like so into this stuff. They think, oh, they're like, oh, sugar. And, and then they just, they go in there and they get drunk on the little apple cider sugar traps and they die in there. It's gross when you see how effective it is because you'll put it out and 15 minutes later you're like, oh my god, this thing is already full. That's like leaving a bottle of wine with like a little in it. Yeah. Everything goes and dies in it. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I also I have a funny story about uh, from volunteering at the zoo. Um, <laughs> they, you know, it's it's a zoo, so you have like pest control. You shouldn't. I mean, like that's. It's a good thing to have, but the pest control gentleman who would come around, he would just come around with like multiple six packs of uh, Milwaukee's best <laughs> because it, I will say the zoo here in DC, it is American Zoological Association. So it's AZA accredited. It's like a, it's a good zoo that's concerned about conservation and they're definitely trying to take care of any pests in a sustainable way. Mm -hmm. And the best thing for in particular roaches is beer. Really? Really? Roaches love beer and the beer that they like the best is Milwaukee's best <laughs> because it has the highest yeast concentration. So they would just sit and they would like, seriously, like you see this, this big burly dude coming in with just like crates of Milwaukee's best. And I was like, uh, are you sure he's coming here for like pest? It looks like a kegger. Yes, wow. <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah, but that's, that's a funny. slogan that Milwaukee's Best will probably never have, which is... Cockroaches love it! <laughs> <laughs> wow. 
Hi, my name is Rebecca Vitali. It's been great talking all things plants with you on the Hysterical Women podcast. Um, you can reach me at Rebecca at BallSweep.com. That's V as in Victor, O-L-S-W-E-E-P.com. And I do data work and voter targeting for uh, progressive candidates and campaigns. Please let me know if there's anybody that I can help and have fun growing all of your plants.